0: let me ask you
1: this what in the wide wide world of sports is going
0: on sports central chicago Ah. sports conversation
2: with adam go go go, go, this is sports central
3: (発hing)
2: (laughs) on demand and streaming live on wgnradio.com
4: Ramble on! Welcome into Sports Central. Happy Friday. I'm Kevin Powell. In for Adam Hogue for the fifth straight day. I know you miss Adam, but uh, we'll get through this together. One more hour, and then Adam will be back Monday. Uh, It's been a fun week, by the way. Thanks for listening. A full show planned for you today. Madeline Kenny's works for the Sun Times. She's been following Loyola very closely. She's a Loyola grad, so she has a really cool perspective on this. Uh, We're going to get to Maddie in just a few minutes here. Loyola Ramblers, man. How awesome was that? Once again, their third tournament victory for uh, three wins by a combined four points. We're going to see, the uh, for the first time ever, an 11 seed is going to play a seed in the Elite Eight. So that's obviously our lead. Loyola beating Kansas State. Or, excuse me, beating... Um, who the hell did they beat yesterday? Why am I blanking? Loyola. <laughs> Loyola with a win over Nevada. Marcus Towns, huge shot. That's our lead.
5: 7 to shoot, 12 to play, Custer still up top, now he drives, passes to the corner, Towns dribbles and fires a 3 and he got it! 6 seconds left, a whistle and a timeout taken by Loyola, but Marcus Towns with a huge 3 and that puts Loyola up by 4.
4: Wild stuff. Another game, another hero. First it was Dante Ingram, then Clayton Custer, now Marcus Towns. A huge three that put them up by four. Nevada did hit a three, but um, Loyola hung on. 69-68 victory. That was a lot of fun. The 20 combined seed total, the highest in an Elite game, elite Eight game ever, shattering the record of 15 in the modern era. An 11-9, verse Bruce Weber faces an Illinois team 13 years after he took Illinois to the National Championship, took them to the Elite Eight. Loyola hasn't been to, they haven't been this deep in the tournament since their national title year in 1963. And for Kansas State, they haven't been to the Final Four since 1964, a year after Loyola won. It's um, just a ton of fun. Let's go to Madeline Kenny. She's with the Chicago Sun-Times. She's a Loyola grad. This, uh, How fun was last night for you, Maddie?
6: Oh, it was absolutely insane. <laughs> I, I didn't, since I'm not in Atlanta, I watched it in a bar up in Rogers Park because I wanted to be a part of that atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it was just crazy just to sit back and realize how many Loyola students actually care about the team. Right. I remember going to games my freshman year when uh, I was a cheerleader, and you know, you had maybe 20 students in the stands, and to see a bar pack like that, to see the reactions at Damon and Ireland's at 63, it's just Unbelievable to see how like so many students have rallied around them.
4: Yeah, and it's you got to figure there's going to be some sort of ripple effect in a positive way for the university. I'm sure with all the exposure, you know, school officials, administrators, and for the students, you guys got to be thrilled for what lies ahead for this for the university.
6: Yeah, and I think um, Steve Watson has talked in the past a little bit about all of the free publicity basically that they're getting from this, and there's definitely an interest from for. for students looking at Loyola that you can have nice academics, you can live in the big city, and now you have a sporting team that you can actually rally behind and cheer on because that never was something that they really pushed when they were uh, showing students around campus. I mean, they mentioned, yeah, this is our uh, Gentile arena. That's where men's and women's basketball and volleyball play. But other than that, like, there's never been such an emphasis to go to games as there is now.
4: It's pretty awesome. It, you mentioned you're at a bar at Rogers Park. If people want to get in on the Loyola spirit tomorrow night when the Ramblers take on Bruce Weber's Kansas State, what where's the go to bar on campus? Where should people head? Or is it students Whoa, only? Do you guys t- not want outsiders there?
6: <laughs> no, outsiders are welcome. It's <laughs> awesome. uh There was I was actually sitting at the bar with somebody that was like a 1985 grad, and he was like, "I remember when they went to the Sweet Sixteen and how exciting that was." So he's like, "It." it for him, it was just an awesome time to see so many students passionate about the Ramblers again. But if I had to recommend some places, Bar sixty three, Bulldogs, those are all some those are some pretty good places up in Rogers Park. Ireland's is the Damon Student Center. It's in the basement of that, and that's a student run bar. Um, but and, I don't know if they're letting non students go to that bar.
4: And Bar <laughs> sixty three, obviously, a, a nod to the uh, national title year. I'm assuming.
6: Yes, yes, it is. It used to be called. I think uh, it? I can't remember what it used to be called, but it just got its name changed when I in like 2013, I believe. You, uh- so if you talk to like older people, they'll they'll be offended that you're calling it bar 63 now what it was
4: previously called <laughs> i think i think it's fitting though this year having it called bar 63 i think that works a little bit better uh you've you've we talked a couple days ago about your relationship with sister Jean, and everybody has a story um you had some good stuff in the sun times yesterday about your experience with her i guess just shed a little bit more light on sister Jean because she is this as she said an international uh figure now
6: yeah yeah you know sister Jean. like i wrote everyone has a story and it's She's the she polices the shuttle line, actually. So, no cutting in line, and she will send. She has no problem sending you to the back of that line, even if you're a basketball player. I've seen her send, like, uh, Devin Turk, who is no longer with the Ramblers, but I saw her send him to the back of the line because he tried cutting. And she's she's just a gem on campus. It doesn't matter, um, who you are. She's a friendly face. She'll talk to anyone. Everyone, you know, knows Sister Jean, and everyone says hi to Sister Jean, and she'll acknowledge you and she'll have conversations about you and the woman does not forget a thing like she is so spot on on everything she like was asking my, my family and i'm like oh my gosh i can't i, for, I can't believe you remember the how, how many siblings i have and stuff but yeah everyone has a sister gene story
4: it's pretty incredible <laughs> she's got her own bobblehead yeah. now and everything um uh, people around the station yesterday, by the way, were running around trying to find the scarves. That's like a huge thing. Is that is that just, just kind of happened over the past year for this run, or has that always been a Loyola thing, those scarves? Because it's a signature no, actually,
6: look now. Yeah, actually it started when they went to Arch Madness in 2014. They wanted to give students, they weren't really sure how many fans were going to travel down to St. Louis, so the university wanted to get kind of, something to make the fans look like there's maybe more fans there than maybe that were actually coming. They wanted something to make them stick out and kind of stand out. So they were handing out those scarves for free. If you bought like the ticket deal or if you were one of the students that uh, paid for, I think there was like a ticket deal for students too. So they gave out these scarves. They were, you know, just maroon and, gold like they look now and now they're actually selling them at the bookstore and you can get like Loyola stitched in it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, Hot commodity. My friend lost it last night. Somebody took it right off of him. Uh
4: oh. Uh oh.
6: <laughs> yeah, you yeah. gotta tie those bad boys on.
4: <laughs> yeah, people were running around yesterday getting a few of them. Um, did you have a chance to watch the Kansas State Kentucky game at all and uh, how do you, have you had a chance to kind of preview and look ahead to the matchup tomorrow night and how do you think Loyola matches up with Kansas State?
6: Yeah, I, I watched a little bit of it and I've kind of read a little bit of about Kansas City, um, too. And I think it's a great story about the underdogs of this tournament coming together. I think Loyola might actually have the edge in this one with shooting. I mean, yesterday, second half, I think they were shooting 75% from the field. And I think for the entire game, they shot 50%. So. I think overcoming Kentucky for Kansas State definitely gives them a lot of confidence coming into the game against the Ramblers, but I think Loyola still has the edge because they've just been so dominant this entire postseason. They've been dominant the last two months of play.
4: So game one, Dante Ingram was the hero, then Clayton Custer, then Marcus Towns. Who do you got in the Elite Eight? Who's going to be the hero tomorrow night for the Ramblers?
6: Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? I feel like Ben Richardson is due. Yeah. I think Ben Richardson is due.
4: I like it. (laughs) I like it, Maddie. Uh, hopefully, we can check in next week, and hopefully, we're previewing a Loyola Final Four uh, game. It's going to be fun tomorrow night. They take on Bruce Weber's Kansas State. Storylines galore. Um, looking forward to watching. Appreciate you jumping on a couple times this week, and hopefully, we can uh, check in um, next week as well. If people want to read your stuff or follow you on Twitter, where can they? Uh, wh- where can they go? All
6: my stuff is on the Sun Times website and in print. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Mad Kenny
4: K-E-N-N-E-Y. All right, Maddie, thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. Good luck to your Ramblers.
6: Yep, have a good one. All
4: right, thank you. That's Madeline Kenny with the Sun-Times. She's been uh, covering the Loyola Ramblers very closely. Um, that was obviously something a lot of people were talking about, and rightfully so. It's, it's a great story. But something even better happened last night, and it occurred just before the Blackhawks game. Take a listen to this.
5: Well, I'm proud to say that uh, I did have my final scan after uh, the chemo treatment pad. And uh, I'm proud to stand here before everybody and you, my partner, and my friend, that uh, all the cancer is gone. And uh, we beat this thing. And I say we... Uh, because it has been a, a team effort, not only from the great doctors, but from this organization, from Rocky Wurch, John McDonough, Jay Blunt, Coach Q, Hockey Operations, these great trainers, our broadcasters, you partner for all the texts and the visits daily, the National Hockey League, all my friends and my family, my brothers, Ricky and Randy, my mom and dad, and uh, of course my four kids, Eddie, Tommy, Sandra, Nikki, and my beautiful wife, Diana, wasn't for them, there's no way I could have got through this so I believe is that we all beat this and I'm so thankful for all the support and prayers and they worked and uh, I'm proud to stand here before everybody and let them know that we beat this thing and uh, I've had enough crying to last me a lifetime partner and I just so excited that, you know, I got that call on March the fourth at five oh seven or March fourteenth excuse me at five oh seven PM letting me know that uh, my scans were clear and uh, never heard a better phrase in my life and uh, I'm now uh, what ten days on with the rest of my life and that's the way I'm looking at it. By the way, baby. It's
4: Eddie Olczyk. Hockey, great. You know the name. From the broadcast booth, from playing, announcing last night that he's cancer-free after months of treatment. Super happy for Eddie. Beyond happy for Eddie. Such a great guy. Uh, The Rokhan Show, we're going to be out at the United Center Monday for our last remote of this season. I really hope we get a chance to see him. Um, Shake his hand. And, uh, just, uh, couldn't be more happy for Eddie Olchek. So while the, like, all the craziness was all happening, that was happening at the United Center. So, um, in the grand scheme of things, that's obviously the biggest and, uh, biggest story. And a lot of people were talking about that on social media and, um, a lot of fans, a lot of Eddie, Eddie O fans out there. So, uh, happy for Eddie Olchek, cancer free. Um, quickly back to the, uh, to tournament talk, as I mentioned, first time ever an 11 seed to play a 9 seed in the Elite Eight. The 20 combined seed totals the highest in an Elite Eight game, breaking the record of 15 in the modern era. The, uh, the Kansas State Loyola game ensures that for the seventh time in as many seasons, a team seeded seventh or lower will make the Final Four. 2011, it was Butler as an 8 seed. In 2013, Wichita State was a nine seed. They went. 2014, K- Connecticut as a seven, Kentucky as an eight. Both went to the Final Four. Uh, 2015, Michigan State did it as a seven seed. 2016, a ten seed in Syracuse, and then last year was uh, Frank Martin's South Carolina Gamecock. Gamecocks has a 7th uh, seed. They went to the Final Four as well. So just a pretty uh, incredible run by the Loyola Ramblers, and all of us will be watching tomorrow night. They take on Kansas State, Bruce Weber's Kansas State, at 5 o'clock tip. I believe it's on CBS. We'll double-check that for you. Um, Loyola Ramblers trying to head to the Final Four for the first time since 1963. So that's some Loyola talk. We'll get to that uh, as well later on in the program. We'll talk to Gas Money Bob. Good old Gas Money Bob's going to join us at about 145, and this just in, Loyola Athletic Director Steve Watson's going to be on this very program. What we're going to do is we're going to simulcast with John Williams, who right now is on 720 AM and WGNRadio.com, as we are. Two different streams, though. We're going to cross the streams. We'll see how it goes. I'm almost like pretty sure it's something it's, just, it's good. technically something will fail cuz technology always fails.
1: And say so you never cross the streams. We we learned yeah. that from Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly.
4: So, um Uh, we're going to do that. With It'll be Steve Watson, the university's athletic director, 135-ish is going to be on with John Williams and we're going to jump in and give it a go and have a good conversation with him um, about Loyola and then we'll get to gas money after that about 145-ish or so. Uh, uh, Coming up next, we'll talk to Kevin Fishbay. Notre Dame held their pro day yesterday and Quinton Nelson, the guard who people are calling a -a once-in-a-generation type offensive lineman. He's an offensive guard and he's going to go in at least the top ten, maybe even top five in the in the draft. And um a lot of people raving about him. A lot of people would love to see him in a in a Bears uniform. Talked about it yesterday a little bit. Jared Payton tweeted a picture with him and he said Quentin Nelson told him he he wanted to be a member of the Bears. And I think a lot of Bears fans would like to see that as well. He's a monster. Um, so, anyways, Kevin Fishbane was there covering things closely for the Athletic. We're going to check in with him in just a couple minutes. Talk with Quentin Nelson. Um, there's been some some reshuffling in the NFL draft over uh, order over the past week or so. Uh, we'll break that down as well. Kevin Fishbane with the Athletic coming up next
2: on Sports Central.
3: WGN WGN. This
2: is where WGN Sports Central lives. It's a- Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue. Not Adam
4: Hogue, Kevin Powell in for Hogar for one more day. He should be back next week all tanned up after his trip in the sunshine of Florida. Adam, of course, covers Bears for WGN Radio, but Kevin Fishbane also covers Bears, and he does it well for The Athletic. Kevin Fishbane was at Notre Dame's Pro Day yesterday. How you doing, Kevin? Appreciate you jumping on.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
4: At K Fishbane, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Okay, you're at Notre Dame's pro day. All the talk is Quentin Nelson. Did he, did he wow you? Was it eye-opening stuff? I mean, it's been nothing but Quentin Nelson love over the past uh, few months here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, he didn't necessarily do anything in front of us that is uh, going to wow you more than if you just turn on the tape and watch some of his plays when he's actually in the pads. But just to be in person and see him, granted he's in shorts, but to see the size and the movement abilities and the strength of someone of his stature is pretty impressive to watch in person. Uh, you know, it, Sometimes it's difficult with that offensive line, um, but you see enough of these and, and you go on, you can notice when a guy um, is, is something special, and he certainly seems that way. And I think the crowd of NFL scouts and assistant coaches that were there um, were pretty impressed with what they saw.
4: Biggest, um, is there a weakness for Quentin Nelson? Because we hear nothing but good things, but are, are there any knocks against him?
1: You know, I I asked him kind of what he's working on, and he explained with his technique, he's trying to keep his elbows in better. uh, There's something with his um, his pass set in terms of where he kicks out that he's trying to work on, and in overall consistency, those were his words. You know, I think if you talk to NFL people, they'll point out consistency. I think everyone's going to want to see how he does uh, in an NFL uh, offense against you know NFL three techniques and and what he'll see on the interior, Um, but it certainly doesn't seem to be uh, too much in terms of that negative, that that kind of weakness column for him. It's pretty bare.
4: Yeah, I was reading, I believe it was in your piece of The Athletic, he says he was a little surprised the Bears haven't met with him. What do you make of that? And when I hear that, I I kind of immediately think of Mitch last year where the Bears were pretty quiet on him and then they trade up and draft Trubisky. So uh, what did you make of the Bears not Having met with them, is that surprising at all, or is it just kind of too early in in the process so far?
3: Yeah,
1: it's not too surprising, you know. Well, we should, and you kind of alluded to. We should point out that we always have to wonder. You know, was that a poker face? Maybe he has sat down with the Bears, and we don't know. Um, and, and he just—they told him not to say. You know, I, I don't know if they would go through that trouble because I think everyone around the league is going to understand that with Harry He stand on the Bears' staff as the offensive line coach, mm-hmm. paired with the fact that they have a need at that position, that it's a pretty easy match. So, you know, I don't think that the Bears would gain anything by being super secretive uh, in terms of that. As far as, you know, the, the Bears did go to Notre Dame uh, this year for a game earlier in the season. I believe Ryan Pace was in South Bend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, your guy Adam Hogue's pretty good at tracking some of that stuff. Well, yesterday there were three scouts there. Um, from the Bears, you know, there wasn't, you know, obviously Heestand doesn't need to be there. You know, Matt Nagy wasn't there. Mark Helfrich wasn't there. Pace was not there. Um, I don't know how much the Bears just need to see of him or need to know about him because, and he admitted this to us. He said, Harry, Heestand knows him better than everybody. So, you know, I, I think that the, the Bears, you know, you got to be kind of judicial with some of your visits. Um, you know, the most important, I always say is that, Kevin, that, you know, every team meets with everybody in some facet, whether it's just a quick chat at the Senior Bowl, one of the interviews at the Combine, talking to a guy after his pro day. The stuff that generally matters to me is when they bring somebody in the House Hall for a visit. They only have 30 of those. And those are kind of a little bit more interesting to me. Now, Gwynn Nelson could also potentially go to, you know, when the Bears have a bit of a local pro day at House Hall. I don't know if he will, um, but he could do that. So there are so many avenues that they have to chat with him at some point um but no it didn't really surprise me that they haven't talked to him i just don't think they really need to
4: so in a normal year if you have the eighth pick in the draft you normally will have a pretty good shot at taking the best offensive guard available but this is no (laughs) ordinary year with quentin nelson in the uh pool of players so the bears sit right there eighth right now we've seen some reshuffling with with the draft order the giants the jets and um colts making some moves um I've seen some mock drafts with the Colts going with Nelson. Is there any shot he's there at eight, or the Bears going to have to move up if they want to grab him?
1: I think there's a shot. You know, and, uh, you know, Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, was there yesterday. Uh, the Giants, uh, who picked number two as of now, but certainly could move down if they want, they have a needed guard. Uh, They're assistant offensive line coach, by Wilkerson, who used to be the Bears' assistant offensive line coach. He was there yesterday. Working Nelson, so those are a couple teams. The Buccaneers are another one that could probably use a guard. Um, you know, I, I think it could be one of those things where the draft night comes. We've spent all this time talking about what a great prospect he is. And then as the the draft goes on, teams are like, well, yeah, he's great, but we just don't want to use that pick on a guard. We would Mm -hmm. rather a playmaker. Mm -hmm. So that could end up happening, and that could slide Nelson down. eight. And and maybe the Bears think the same way. Maybe the Bears don't really want to use that pick on that type of player, and then he slips to nine. Who knows? I don't don't think he gets that far. I don't think he gets out of the top ten. But but I certainly think he's an option. I think you know right now, if you're going to assume that Barkley and Chubb are going to go in, in the top six, with maybe four quarterbacks, I think the Bears are looking at a cloud of Quentin Nelson, Minka Fitzpatrick, um, Marcus Davenport, um, Tremaine Edmonds, and Denzel Ward. Those would kind of be the top five um, names to, to kind of key in. On. Of course, if for some reason Chubb or Barkley fall, which is not it's not really worth discussing because I don't think it happened, happen, that, yeah. that certainly will change things.
4: Yeah, let's just say Barkley, Chubb, and Nelson are all gone by the time the Bears... Are on the clock. Can you see them moving down in the draft, or is is this like okay? You have a top ten pick. You might as well capitalize on it. But could you see a scenario where they move down, especially when some of those other names are off the board?
1: I think I do. You know, you know especially a lot of it will depend on how they view Minka Fitzpatrick if he's considered the guy to go kind of in that slot. I think Marcus Davenport, um, who is probably the second best edge rusher in the draft, is someone that they could get at 9, 10, or eleven. Um, Another guy to keep an eye on is Roquan Smith. I really like Roquan Smith yeah. out of Georgia, but I don't know. I, it seems like Tremaine Edmonds has a higher ceiling because of the athleticism, and he's got better size. So, you know, I mocked Edmonds this week in my mock drafts of the Bears because I think he could go at eight. But I, that doesn't mean Roquan Smith is out of the realm, and I think he's the type of guy you, you could trade down for. You can even see the Bears trading down even farther and going after, you know, whether it's a cornerback or an edge rusher. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of options for them. I, I do think, as you said, though, you, you you know, you don't want to have a top ten pick because you know it means you were bad. Yeah. But if you have one, you want to you, you do want to take advantage of it and try to get a top ten talent.
4: Man, Roquan Smith gets me excited. Holy hell, watching yeah. him play in the Rose Bowl, the way he can track sideline to sideline, ton of speed, I think he'd fit nicely into that 3-4. Um, Quentin Nelson wasn't the only player. Back to Notre Dame's Pro Day, he wasn't the only player there. Who, who else was there? Anybody else stand out to you at uh, at Indy's Pro Day?
1: Well, Mike McGlinchey, the tackle who worked with Nelson and all those drills, and they're, they're good friends, they train together. He, he's got an incredible size, and, and he can move pretty well, and I think you know the tackle position in this draft it's not a strong one, um, and he's probably a late first round pick, mid to late first round pick, from what I've seen in mock drafts. But you know he's the type of guy that you know I could definitely see the Bears using this draft to find a, a tackle to develop. You know, by Massey entering the final year of his contract, um, and so you, know, you can't rule out a guy like McLynch if he's there early in the second round. Uh, I'm going to screw up his name, but Equanimous St. Brown. I think you nailed uh, it.
4: Well done. Yeah, you're, You can you're have right, my job. Yeah. You're like a professional broadcaster. you knocked it out of the park.
1: There you go. You know, tell <laughs> I could just slip, slip in his seat as well. <laughs> um, you know, he, he's he got great size. Um, Malik Zagher was throwing him passes. I thought he looked very impressive um, catching balls. He looks like more, maybe more of a possession type receiver. Um, you know, and, and so I, and I think the Bears have to – load up on depth at whiteout in this draft. I think they need to get one, maybe even two guys uh, to throw in there. So he was somebody that stood out. Um, I talked to Niles Morgan, which I think Chicago folks should remember. He was a Crete Moni star when he was in high school. Um, so he's from the area, linebacker. Coming off a shoulder injury, you know, might not even get drafted, but a special teams guy. I mean, you know, with the Bears, you know, they, they they tend to kind of by accident know Notre Dame guys a lot better than some of our team just because of the proximity. It's easier for them to get to a Notre Dame game or to get to mm-hmm. a Notre Dame practice. So, you know, you could never rule out Notre Dame guys, but those were some of the, the, the guys that stood out to me yesterday.
4: Hey, what's the latest on Cam Meredith? I know it seemed like a lock he'd be back, but then there were some reports he had met with the Colts and some other teams. Fill us in there with Cam Meredith.
1: Yeah, so he met with the Colts, and then there was a report he met with the Ravens, um, and now it's just kind of the waiting game. You know, it's kind of it's like a, it's a similar to the Kyle Fuller situation. One of these teams, if they choose, can sign him to an offer sheet, and, and the Bears would have to match. And like Kyle Fuller, if the Bears don't match; they lose Cam Meredith, and they don't get any compensation. So. I've always believed that the Bears would would want Cam Meredith in the fold. Um, You know, what's a little different about him as opposed to Kyle Fuller, um, obviously he's coming off a torn ACL, and you have the new staff. So how does the new staff, what do they think of Cam Meredith? Mm -hmm. Because we knew that the defensive coaches would want Kyle Fuller in the fold. Um, I believe that Ryan Payson, personnel staff, like Cam that, that's a great diamond in the rough for them. That's something, that, he's the type of player you want to keep in your program as long as he's playing well. You know, he, they found him in a regional combine, undrafted rookie from Chicago, had a breakout season. He was looking great last summer too before he got hurt. That's the type of guy, it says a lot to locker room when you keep guys like that on your team and it's a good thing for the organization. So I, I feel like the Bears would want to keep him. But what if Matt Nagy's looking at him, looking at tape and going, you know what, guys? We can find somebody else to play that role. I'm not too concerned about it. I don't want to pay more than X amount of money for him. So, yeah, right now, Cam Merritt, they're just waiting. And if nobody signs him to an offer sheet, he'll play on that restricted tender, which is, you know, a little short of $2 million, And hopefully, you know, the Bears can figure out a long-term deal with him at some point. Who do you think the Browns are going to take with the top pick? Hmm, great question. You know, it, it, it's funny. I, I wrote this the other day. I love mock drafts. <laughs> you know, I know yeah. how how silly they are to kind of do because everything blows up on draft night and you're only going to maybe get two or three correct. Um, but I love reading them and seeing, you know, it seemed like Sam Darnold was their guy. And then, you know, today Glenn, you know, or John Dorsey's talking to Josh Allen at Wyoming. Uh, I've seen the arguments for Saquon Barkley at number one. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you got to take the quarterback there. You know, I don't really have a great preference between Darnold and Allen. Josh Allen did not impress me at the Senior Bowl at all. Um, when I watched him play, I thought Baker Mayfield was a much better looking quarterback there. Um, but I don't know if Baker Mayfield the type of guy, the player that you want at number one. Um, so right now, I'll lean towards Sam Darnold. He just seems like a a safe uh, guy for me to you know put my name on right now. If you ask me in a week, I'll probably go have a different one. Um, but Darnold seems to have all the makeup that you're looking for in a guy uh, to be the, your your franchise quarterback.
4: What do you think of Baker Mayfield? Do you think he's a legitimate NFL starting quarterback?
1: Question: You know, I guess your concerns about him would be maybe his size. Obviously, he's not as big as some of our guys. Um, you wonder about that Oklahoma system translating to the NFL. Um, but you know, you would hope that an offensive coordinator of a team that drafts him would design a system that that tailors to what he can do. I mean, one of the number one traits that I look at when I'm looking at quarterbacks coming out of college is accuracy. And I think it's an important one. And Baker Mayfield is incredibly accurate. Now, obviously that the offense had something to do with that, but you, you still got to make the throws. You know, maybe guys are open, but you, you still got to make that play. I like Baker Mayfield a lot and I'll take all that, you know, that competitive spirit and everything that kind of wiles people up. I love that stuff, and I understand the way the NFL is. It's still a buttoned-up kind of organization, and some owners, some GMs, some coaches might not be as excited about it. As a fan and as a, as a football observer, I love that stuff, and, and I think that'd be a great person to have as your franchise quarterback. He's a Heisman winner. He, he did it at a high level uh, at Oklahoma. He did it very well. Um, I just wonder, I think the question there is, okay, what does he look like in a pro-style offense with massive offensive linemen in front of him and big-time defensive linemen coming after him.
4: That's mm-hmm. Kevin Fishbane. He covers the Bears in the NFL. You can read his stuff at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at K KFishbane. Uh, some good stuff from Notre Dame's Pro Day. Anything else you have uh, coming onto the website that you uh, that you want to plug, Kevin?
1: People should be looking for it. Yeah, you know, I did a Bears seven-round mock draft. Uh, I made sure to not take a single player that Hoke took in any of his two <laughs> mock drafts. Um, he is the Bears mock draft king, so right. I don't want to totally step on his territory. But mm-hmm. um, So I did my Bears mock draft. That's on our site now. Um, folks, check out, and I'll be down at the, uh, the owners' meetings uh, in Orlando early next week. So we'll be talking to Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace down there. So uh, folks, check that out.
4: Hey, since you mentioned the NFL owners' meeting, I know uh, – top of discussion will be the catch rule and there was some stuff that came out recently the what the hell is a catch and what are they going to do with with that rule
1: yeah you know i was on the conference call this morning with uh, troy vince and rich mckay from the competition committee and it's interesting the way they did this it's smart they went backwards they showed a bunch of people the Des Bryant catch the jesse james catch i hope they show people the zach miller catch because i thought that was egregious and said okay should this be a catch and if it's yes, let's go backwards and let's figure out why and how we can fix this. And, and so based on what they're proposing to the owners, they're taking out all of the language about going to the ground. That is totally out. you just got to catch the ball, have control, football move like it used to be. And if the, well, the key to me is if the ball moves a little bit, it does not constitute a loss of control. Um, and I think that's really important. So assuming the owners can... Um, agree on that and approve it. I think it'll be better. The one thing, and, and uh, I believe Rich McKay acknowledged this on the conference call you're going to see more fumbles now because you're going to go see more times that it's going to be ruled a catch. And then if the ball, if they lose control, it's going to be a fumble as opposed to an incomplete pass. So that, you know, that's you fine that, though with uh,
4: me. I want that. I would prefer that. It keeps a play alive and doesn't negate a great catch or a great play from a quarterback with, you know, a good throw or a good catch or whatever. I mean, I'm fine with that.
1: 100% agree. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely right. And I think that what, what they have out there, look, listen, it's not going to be perfect, but I think it, it, it's much simpler than it was yep. before. And I think that's the key.
4: Kevin Fishbane, read his stuff at theathletic.com. Highly recommend subscribing. Follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. Thanks for jumping on, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yep, thank you. All right,
4: it's Kevin Fishbane. Appreciate him joining us. All right, Ben, you're producer, Ben. We're going to do a simulcast with John Williams. Where do we stand with that, Joe? Are we going to take a quick break here? Sixty. Uh, we got a
1: few more some, few more seconds. I think news is finishing up. and uh, see where they're at. We'll have Steve on, the on soon. Oh, that's Violetta
4: doing traffic. Better, All right.
6: Actually, at you want to
4: take this 60 seconds?
6: Yeah. Five.
1: All right, 60 really like
4: seconds. Then we're going to come back. We're 11. going to simulcast with John Williams on 720 a.m. with this show. Talk with Steve Watson, athletic director, Loyal Next on Sports Central.
2: What? Um, yes! What? Um, no! What? Let me think. Let me think. The yeah, oh! talk, Coach. Maybe we should stick the radio. He's got a point. <laughs> Chicago Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam Hogue. Kevin
4: Powell in for Adam Hogue. This is Sports Central. Appreciate you listening in. Happy Friday. Hope you got a good weekend plan. I know all of us will be watching Loyola tomorrow night when they take on Bruce Weber's Kansas State. I'm monitoring... John Williams' show, because what we're going to do is a simulcast here. Sports Central, which streams on WGNRadio.com. And then, of course, John Williams is live on on the main station, 720 AM and WGNRadio.com. They have Steve Watson on, the Loyola Athletic Director,
2: and he's going to be joining John in just a second let's bring up john right now new episode coming up he's always a fun and funny conversation All right. he'll oh. say hi to us in about 15 minutes but before we do that bill behrens joins us the assistant athletic director oh. over at the loyola ramblers uh let's see and he is on line number seven hey bill this is john you're on wgn radio how are you Hey, John. How are you doing? Good. I want to uh, also bring into this conversation Kevin Powell. And, Al, if you need to tell me how to do that, it just dawns on me he's on Selector 2. How you doing, John? Hey, Kevin. How are you, man? Doing
4: great, Bill. Thanks for joining us. This is fun. Hi, Kevin. How
2: are you? Great. You guys know each other, huh? no no <laughs> everybody is the best friends of the ramblers now yep so we are live on wgn radio and welcome again to our audience that's listening to us on the stream at WGNRadio.com. that's where we do sports central this time and kevin powell's doing the sports show uh-huh. so we're kind of killing two birds with one rambler here what's it been like over there today bill
0: uh, it's been a little bit, a little quieter today. We're uh, we're currently in practice right now, which is a uh, which is a closed practice, so it's a little quiet in the arena, which is nice after uh, after a, a crazy game, another crazy game last night. that came right down to the wire. Hopefully, hopefully we can we can uh, have a little less drama tomorrow <laughs> against Kansas State.
2: Is Sister Jean actually drawing up plays? Is that why we can't be there?
0: <laughs> I think she's uh, I think she's out in the parking lot right now, uh, working on a couple of things right now with uh with Coach Moser.
2: Kevin, what was the biggest surprise to you watching that game?
4: Ooh, um You know what, I don't necessarily say I want to call it a surprise because they've been such a steady team all year, but they did kind of come out a little shaky and play into Nevada's style, which was high-powered and fast and some unforced errors by by Loyola. But then we saw what we've seen all tournament and really all season was everybody settles down. Coach Moser kind of settles everybody down. They get back into their rhythm of things, and they go, you know, they, they kind of dictate the tempo and things like that. So I know you said you didn't want the drama tomorrow night, Bill, but man, these games have been fun. Three wins by a combined four points. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it has been uh, it has been unbelievable to, to have three games come down to the wire like that and, and to come out on top in all three. That uh, that doesn't happen too often. Um, but uh, that's, that's just a sign of, of the resiliency of this team. Um, you know, you get down by, by double digits and, and nothing really rattles them. And they never feel like they're out of a game, uh, no matter what the fans may be thinking at that point in time. <laughs> guys just keep, keep, keep scratching and clawing and chipping away. And, and they're such a confident bunch right now, especially after you have three wins like that. Um, you know, they, they feel like they can, they can play with and beat anybody in the country.
2: Well, there was a, I believe the TV guys, Kevin, maybe you heard this, maybe Bill, you know this, but I believe they said that the Ramblers had executed a hundred passes in the first half. And it's fascinating, but sometimes maddening to watch these guys pass up so many shots, waiting for the better shot, waiting for the better shot. It's the definition of unselfishness, but do you know, do you guys notice what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I definitely didn't count the passes, um, but uh, but I know, like you just said, John. I mean, they are such an unselfish team, so selfless, and and the thing that makes it makes this team so dangerous is that there's so many different guys that can beat you on any given night. And I think the three games in this tournament have proven that. You know, Dante Ingram hits a shot to, to beat Miami at the buzzer. Clayton Custer hits the shot to beat Tennessee. And then Marcus Towns took a huge three last night to, to push the lead from one to four, but Andre Jackson we hit a three that, that broke the tie and, and gave us the lead for good. So there's, there's so many weapons on this team and these guys, so many of these guys can beat you.
4: Bill, a lot of people have talked about the exposure that the university's gotten. Yesterday, John was running around and buying those signature scars for people at the radio station. Everybody wants them. So there's that part of the marketing aspect for the university. But there's no denying that this is obviously going to help the basketball program moving forward.
0: No, there's no question about it, and like you said, it doesn't just help the basketball program. It's such a it's such a boon for the university. Um, you know, we had a we had an alumni event here yesterday before the game, and to just see the the amount of of loyal alums that came down to Atlanta for this. Um, from our side of things, there were so many former student athletes that came back, and that's just it's great to see people showing that pride in their school again, um, and, and that's fantastic. It certainly seems that make runs like this, you usually see a, a correlation the following year in admissions uh, numbers that, that, that see an uptick, in, um, see it in donations, you see it in apparel sales. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things, and obviously the publicity has been just terrific.
2: I donated $110 to the University (laughs) Bookstore yesterday for four scarves.
0: Perfect. (laughs) We we, we accept and appreciate your donation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Worth it. Was the team that good last year? And, Kevin, you can hit me in the face afterwards when I ask this, but are they going to be this good next year? I I want to enjoy this, but I'm just wondering if this means Loyola is back and is going to have staying power for the next few years. Is that for me, John, or is that for Kevin? Uh, I don't know.
4: Oh, I would say absolutely. I mean, Marcus Towns is a junior. Clayton Custer will be back next year. He's a redshirt junior, so he's got one more uh, year of eligibility. You lose a guy like Ben Richardson. I believe Dante Ingram's a, uh, a center as well. Cameron Krutwig is a freshman, and I feel like you just always see him on the court. It's a guy we're going to see for the next four years. For me, Loyola's in a really, 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 really good spot. Bill? Your thoughts? On it? Is that is, is that accurate? Bill's just nodding. Did you Bill's say just nodding. Yeah, Bill's like, yeah, no, yeah. Yep.
2: Never mind that. We have a more important question. Violetta wants to ask a question. Violetta, what what was your question for our guest?
6: Um, that really cute kid at the end who's like really important on the team. He always gets interviewed. I'm. His name is uh, escaped me right now. Who's
2: the real cute one they interview after the games? And is he single?
6: I'm I getting there. <laughs> He's pretty popular, right, on campus.
0: I think actually, I think all of these guys are pretty popular on campus right now. <laughs> and pretty single. And if we, right, right, if we keep winning, keep winning some games, I think their popularity is only going to rise.
6: And what is it for? The, what is it like for these kids on campus right now? I mean, what is their experiences?
0: You know, it's been it's been great. You know, we've obviously we've been we've been on the road here a lot the last two weeks with these games. But when we came back last Sunday to campus. Um, and had about 500 students waiting for the team when, when the bus was pulled back into campus. That's something that, that we just haven't seen at Loyola in a very long time. And uh, these guys have, have been treated like royalty. And we saw some unbelievable videos from our student union of, of the uh, of the Loyola students watching the game last night. And that place just went absolutely up for grabs at the end of the game. And, and I know our guys, what we well, seeing that stuff on social media last night, they
2: were, uh, they, they had chills watching it. Yeah, the Billy Goat blew up yesterday when that last shot went in, I'll tell you that. <laughs> 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 well, um, all right, Kevin, what's your prediction for uh, the next game? Well, I'm just trying to predict who the hero is going to be because we've
4: had three different heroes in three games yeah. Dante Ingram, then Custer, then Marcus Towns last Whose night. turn so is it, it next? I'm going, I'm going with the big man, Kretwig. I don't know. I'm just always partial to the the big man, the scrappy guy. I don't know. Somehow he's going to come up big. I'm how going many, with Kretwig.
2: How many shots did we get blocked? I mean, I was so frustrated we'd have a breakaway layup or we'd have a little bunny putback or something. And these guys would just snap it out of the air and reject our shots. But then they just kept playing. I, I'll bet they blocked... Seven of our shots last night. Um, I I don't know whose turn it is. And I I keep thinking when I see these bigger, stronger, more athletic teams, these more storied programs, the K-States, the Kentuckys, you know, any of them, I think, oh, God, how can we compete against that? And then son of a gun, we do, don't we?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, like I said, these guys—these guys, especially having a game at Florida, we went down into Gainesville in December against the number five team in the country at that point in time, and to beat them on their home floor—that certainly uh, took our guys' confidence to a completely another level. And uh, you know, after the the first three games in this tournament, combined with that Florida win, these guys definitely feel like they can play with anybody in the country And they're they're as confident a bunch as there is right now. And and they have the longest winning streak in the country right now coming into tomorrow's game. Oh, really? uh, How many games is that? Yeah. It is uh, is 13 in a row. All
2: right. Uh, Bill Behrens is the assistant athletic director. He's watching a closed practice right now. We will uh, cheer you guys on. What is it? TBS 6 o'clock? 5 o'clock tomorrow night. (laughs) Say the time again, Kevin?
4: I believe it was five Central. If I'm, if six o'clock in yeah, Atlanta, six
2: Eastern, yep. six, gotcha. Eastern, six five Eastern, five yep. o'clock here. Yep. Okay, all right. We'll be watching. Bill, thanks for your time and good luck to you guys. Our best to you guys. Thanks for all you've done for basketball, for Loyola, and for the city. I'm telling you, it's been a real pleasure, and and we hope for, uh, I guess, three more wins. Right, eight, four, two.
0: That, that would be that would be that would be fantastic. Thanks, guys, for having me on, and and, and thanks for all the stuff you guys have have done and said about uh, about this program as well. We really appreciate it. Yeah.
2: Thank good luck, Sarah. Bill. You know, Kevin, it doesn't sound like he minds that we're a bunch of Johnny-come-lately. That I'm a Johnny-come-lately. Yeah, may, yeah, maybe you, not you.
4: You know what? I was going to applaud their media relations department because they do a really good job of, of staying in touch with, with members of the media. And some people just, um, whether it's a sporting team or a, like a newfound celebrity, some people just don't capitalize on it. And has Le- done a great job of media exposure with Sister Jean and with athletic directors and the coach, so... I applaud them in that department as
2: it's well. Such, it's such a nice storybook run, isn't it? I mean, the kid in Dallas makes the winning shot. They tried to schedule a game down south for him this year, but they weren't able to do it. But then, lo and behold, they get a Dallas seed for the tournament. Okay. And then he hits the game winning shot. Three different kids hitting three different winning shots. I, you know, don't even throw in Sister Jean, just the wild card that she is. But it's just been, you know, such a nice, warm story for the country and for Chicago. It's fun
4: to be a, a bandwagon fan sometimes, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's we've all kind of come together and rallied behind this team, and it's it's just been awesome. Just you know, it's so enjoyable to
2: watch. It's like you guys go ahead and toil away in obscurity, and then when you're really huge and popular, <laughs> when
3: it's easy because all be you there. keep doing is winning.
2: I'll be there for you, but I'm going to be there next year too. I'm I'm mad at myself for having how many wins do they have now? What's their record like? Twenty uh, third? No, thirty one now. Thirty wins, something like that. I'm sorry, I've missed twenty nine or 28 of those wins <laughs> this year i want them i want to do i,
4: I apologize for rooting against them in the missouri valley championship game because my redbirds they beat my redbirds they sparked all of this
2: i'm still amazed that sister Jean is getting a pass on not having them in her come on you can't hassle her, her. <laughs> a 98 year old no. nun one guy in tennessee did yeah what a, that what guy's a, an idiot what a bad man he was what's the matter ellip what were you thinking
3: I just don't watch any sports at all. And last night I turned it on at the gym because it's the only place that I have a TV. Yeah.
2: And I banged my fist down when uh, Nevada score, <laughs> uh, scored.
0: When I, they,
4: can you reenact that? Yeah, I, that's I'm amazing. Not, I,
2: want see, I, I want to see Elif pounding
4: her fist at something. I, that's C-F- incredible. See you l-
2: losing your stuff, Elif. What does that look like? <laughs> <War is another. laughs> really, were you throwing weights around and cussing? And yeah, chicken, yeah, yeah. I was uh, spitting on people. I was
3: grunting yeah. while I was lifting because <laughs> I was thinking that. about that wow. basket.
2: Yeah, watch it at the bar last night. Every single person there was just glued to the TV. Yeah, it's yeah. everybody. Do you have one of those scarves, Kevin? I don't. No. Don't. I, if you want to rent mine, I, I bought four of them yesterday. And for a total of what, hundred ten <laughs> Yes. $10? they weren't too bad. They were only twenty. You know, if they were smart, they would have charged thirty. I gave them twenty-four per, and uh, I was I would have paid more because uh, you know what? What are you going to do? it's you tough wanna... to
4: find. I was talking yeah. to, to Madeline Kenny from the Sun Times to start the show, and she said she was at the the student bar, Bar sixty-three. Yeah, and uh, the people, some some people were kind of walking off with other people's scarves.
2: <laughs> John, I know that uh, you're willing to pay up, but I think they'd like to have students to be able to afford them too. So oh. Right, there's that. Not everybody's a rich talk show host, huh, Steve? All right. Uh, hey, Kevin, nice to talk to you. Keep doing what you're doing on yeah, Sports Central. Yeah, this was Central. fun. Thanks, guys. We are simulcasting with Kevin Powell there, no longer here. On All right. That was cool. A little simulcast
4: action. Technology, baby. Quick time out. We're going to talk with Gas Money Bob, the one and only Gas Money Bob, next on Sports
2: Central. Yeah, we to go WGN. Chicago Sports Conversation. This is Sports Central with Adam
4: Hogue. Not Adam Hogue, Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue one more day. Appreciate you tuning in. Happy Friday. Next guest, I'm super excited about this. Been trying to schedule this, this man for quite some time, but he's a tough man to get to. You got to go through his people and um, work around his busy schedule. But we finally got him. Gas Money Bob, how you doing?
3: Hey Kevin, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me on.
4: I apologize for the delay. There was a, a last-minute booking with the assistant athletic director at Loyola. Are you? Um, is Gas Money Bob all in on the uh, Loyola train? Are you
3: jumping aboard that? I, I've been the biggest Loyola fan there is for the last what two or three weeks.
4: I love it. Um, who's the he-, he was the hero tomorrow night? It was Dante Ingram in game one, then Custer, then Marcus Towns last night. I, I got a pool going for who who the hero is going to be in the Elite Eight.
3: Uh, I think it's going to be Towns again. All right. I, that, guy, that guy impressed me last night. I was, that, that was a pretty clutch shot. I let out a very audible yell when he hit that three. <laughs> I think it's going to be Towns. All
4: right. Gas Money Bob going with Towns. Are you on the golf course right now? I'm not interrupting your round, am I?
3: Well, we're about to tee off. I'm watching my uh, my uh, the other three guys in my 4 put on their jackets and their hats. Meanwhile, I have the, uh, the clubhouse ask me to put my shirt back on. So I don't know what's going on with them but it, it, yeah we're about to tee off in about 5 minutes or so. Well
4: I'm looking out the window and it's clear skies and sunny right now. Is it tough to golf in non-bare
3: weather? No, nah, I mean this is a little too warm for me I think. Uh, I I'd prefer a little bit of uh, snow on the ground but uh you know I think I could I'll I'll grin and bear it. <laughs> if if you
4: could describe bare weather to me, how would you describe it?
3: Well bare weather's not just snow and cold and ice. It's an attitude, right? It's a mindset, right? And that's why the eighty-five Bears were so good in it because they had the attitude, the mindset where, hey, we don't need sleeves. I mean, if they didn't have to, they wouldn't wear pants. They would just go out there and play football. And that's that's what Bear Weather's all about.
4: It's kind of it's kind of like Bane in the darkness. He grew up in the darkness. So, like when Batman tried to take the lights out, Bane was just laughing because he embraced he embraced the darkness. He he he, he exactly. lives for those situations. It's kind of, it's kind <laughs> of like the Bears the and Bears bear weather. Live for that. <laughs> um, How many overall MVPs, regular season and Super Bowl combined, will Mitch Trubisky win?
3: Ooh, um, well, I mean, let's see. His career should go probably about eighteen, nineteen years. So thirty-seven, thirty-six. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right. yeah i like that one of the guys that i think a lot of bears fans want to um see protecting him is quentin nelson i talked to kevin fishbane a little bit earlier from the athletic because he was at the notre dame pro day nelson seems like the kind of guy that embraces bear weather he's a mauler seems like he'd fit right in are you all is, is if you had that pick and nelson's available you go and Quentin nelson there
3: Oh, absolutely. I want a guy, especially because he's from a local Chicago school like Notre Dame. Right, right. He's right. used to playing in the fair weather, you know, out there in, where is that, Indiana? Yeah, yeah. yeah it gets yeah. cold there, too, so he's That's, used to it.
4: I get that lake effect situation. <laughs> um, you're at the golf course. Yeah, I know you're a big golf fan. I I have declared Tiger officially back. Are you? Are you also declaring Tiger officially back?
3: So yes, 100% Tiger is back. If, as long as people are tuning in on Sundays to watch Tiger play golf, he is back.
4: What kind of uh, beer does Gas Money Bob drink on the golf course?
3: Um, well, normally I would drink, I mean, I'm a big IPA guy, but I today I'm drinking Stella's. Wow. I gotta keep it. I got to go easy because I've got fantasy baseball draft coming up after this round of golf, so I don't want to be too drunk for the draft.
4: Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to get drunk during the draft, but you don't want to show up to the draft drunk. It's like more of a process. Like by round 15, you're wasted. That's fun, but if you show up wasted, next thing you know, you know you're drafting Juan Uribe in the first round or something like that. So,
3: <laughs> exactly.
4: Um, I like that. That's a bold stella on the golf course. I'm normally a Miller Lite man, I think, as you, uh, as you may know. Um, final question for you. Um, are we going to play golf this summer, Gas Money Bob?
3: Uh, yeah, just let's set it up. Um, I know you're free on Saturdays. I talked to your guy. All right, let's just set it up, and I'm, I'll play whenever you want. Love it.
4: Gas money, Bob at Gas Money Bob on Twitter. Uh, can, what are you? Are you posting Bears stuff in the in the off season? Where can people read your stuff at Barstool? Right?
3: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm on Barstool Chicago mostly during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I usually do like a weekly preview, and uh, I'll probably have something coming out pre-draft. Okay. Show you guys, tell you guys who I think they should take. All right. And uh, maybe something else in between the draft and the uh, regular season.
4: That's Gas Money Bob. You know him, you love him. Have fun on the golf course today. Get a nice uh, soak in some of that sun. Get some vitamin D. All uh, right. Thanks a lot, KP. All right. Gas Money Bob, everybody. Love that guy. Love Gas Money Bob. That's how we. That's how we finish off a week of shows. Gas Money Bob, the exclamation point to the week that is. Sports Central. Appreciate everybody listening. I've been filling it for Adam Hogue all week. I think he's back Monday. Not exactly sure. They asked me to do it. I'll do it. Um, I hope you uh, have enjoyed it. Thanks to, yeah, that was a that was a wild show. That was a busy show. Madeline Kenny from the Sun Times joined us right off the top. Read her stuff at Sun Times. And as I mentioned, the Loyola story is is awesome. It's great, obviously, but the the, the best news that came out last night was the fact that uh, Eddie Olchuk announcing ahead of the broadcast, the Blackhawk broadcast, that he is cancer free. That's awesome. That's how you start the uh, that's how you start the weekend. So happy for Eddie. Hopefully, I can see him um, when we're out there Monday. The show is out at the UC Monday. Uh, thanks to Kevin Fishbame from the Athletic. We talked Bears. We talked Notre Dame Pro Day. And uh, we also were joined by the Assistant Athletic Director from Loyola. Just did a little simulcast with John Williams. That was fun. Uh, Gas Money Bob, at Gas Money Bob on Twitter. He's the man. Talked a little bit of everything with Gas Money Bob. Appreciate him joining the show. And thanks to Ben Anderson behind the glass, doing his best producing. Any corrections? What I'd screw up today?
1: Uh, the the only thing we were looking for was that uh, the, where the Ramblers were going to be playing on TV. But we got that. CBS, answer. right? Yep. Five oh five oh nine.
4: Five oh nine. Five oh nine.
1: Book it. it. The the only thing
4: else I have for you. Yes. Because we have Loyola people on today. Yeah. Uh, Bar 63 used to be hammies. Hammies, that's what it was. That's what it used to be. I like Bar 63 better. I I agree. I agree. All right. What are you doing for the game tomorrow? I haven't decided yet. Yeah. Just sit on the couch, crack a cold one? Maybe. Yeah, I, I might crazy. decide to venture out. I'd... That's crazy. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Um, you know, Rent one of John Williams' scarves. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> ben Anderson behind the glass. I'm Kevin Paul. Really appreciate you listening all week. I've been filling in for Adam Hogue. Thanks for tuning in. And, of course, you can listen back to the entire episode at WGNRadio.com, iTunes, Google Play, blah, blah, blah. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Appreciate you listening.